Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And right now, without further ado, my friend, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Um, just to start out today's program, I just want to pay a little tribute to a man who is larger than life. Uh, he's the kind of person that you talk about on the radio, Zeb. Mm-hmm. Good, strong Christian man, loved his family, loved his country. Uh, my brother-in-law, Bruce Burtonshaw, passed away last week from a sudden heart attack, and uh, he was everybody's best friend, and he will leave a big hole in our community and in our family. A man that I truly loved and was a best friend to me. And yeah. I just want to pay tribute to a great, great individual, Bruce Burdenshaw. Life can be very challenging and life can be very bitter, but it's always with warm regards that we remember the ones we love. And, again, the Christian beliefs help. See them again. Comfort. So, Absolutely. Anyway, so we're going to move right ahead now. Thank Get you. Get that over with. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, it took a long time for mankind to respect the value of a hospital. Okay. You know, that, that's, that's one of the most interesting things. I did not know that you were going to be talking about this this morning. Okay. You didn't tell me. You no. never do. You always keep I it secret. It. But I was going to ask you about Frontier Hospitals. And that's what we're going to I talk about. I wrote it right down here on the paper. <laughs> well, I mean, there's some kind of a... ESPN or something yeah, between us. <laughs> that's a sports channel. Oh, that's right. ESPN. <laughs> anyway, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which was a bad reputation. I mean, hospitals evolved from what they called pest houses and alms houses where contagious or hopeless people were brought to die out of sight of the public. Uh, It was a slow process for the hospitals to become accepted as a place for ordinary people to go for treatment. So the situation was not unique to America, actually, or the frontier. This was worldwide, all around the world. So hospitals, per se, they were just kind of get them out of the way, out of sight, Until they die. Really? Yeah, yeah. just get them out of sight so you don't have to watch people die. Mm. So, But, you know, for most of the 19th century, there was no clear understanding about hygiene. And we've talked about that in the Old West, you know, with the cavalry and all that, you know, uh, public health uh, in general. I mean, hospitals were actually unhealthful places to go. In fact, most patients uh, admitted for whatever reason would have been better off to stay at home. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, in the last two decades of the 1800s, however, that's when germs and sanitation start to become better understood. So basically the 1880s. Yeah. Before, wow. Yeah. So this is after the Civil War. That's only about 60 plus years from when you and I were and born. That's right. Uh, and I were old. And, the, you know, the hospital became a place where they started to have better sanitation. Now, this British surgeon, Joseph Lister, which probably everybody knows, uh, uh, learned about antisepsis. Yeah, he and made Listerine. He did. Gargle. That's what it's named after. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this... Uh, was something they started using in surgeries, and also... Why? What, what, what caused them? What was the turning point in the Old West, or for I, that matter, I think, around the I world? I think for one reason is the high death rate. For example, there was a hospital that was teaching doctors how to be doctors. Now, in the basement of this hospital, they had a morgue where they would do dissection to learn their profession. Yeah. And uh, when it 
came time for a woman to have a baby, they'd just go from the morgue straight up to the second or third floor and help deliver a baby without oh. washing hands. Oh. And so the mortality rate was huge with not only the mothers, but the babies. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And so as they learned to wash their hands and uh, take care of things, then, of course, the mortality rate was much, much better. So, but in addition to this medical advance, uh, you know, another development credited with the spurring of the evolution of the hospital, and that was the nursing profession. And we talked about that a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the seeds of this noble calling were planted during the Civil War, where the cleanly habits and compassionate support of the field nurses had a huge, if undocumented, impact on the wounded soldier's recovery. It, it kind of blows my mind that mankind, all the way from... Uh, 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 England and the European theater all the way to the Revolutionary War to the Civil War and there was nothing that talked about hygiene. Right. And and again, these nurses can't be uh, understated. I mean, these were dedicated women working probably almost 24 hours a day, especially during the Civil War. I mean, these were amazing women that, that took this on. Wow. But uh, from about 1870 to 1910, the hospital evolved from a place for the dead and dying to go uh, to an establishment that was vital to the to the public health care and eventually the center stage for medical education so the hospitals and you know this the practical uh, application is where you really learn and so a doctor may go to medical school but when you get into the trenches so to speak that's where you really learn and yeah. unfortunately you learn by mistakes too yeah but uh, progress that's why they call it medical practice <laughs> that's right as soon as you get good at at it, let me know. Yeah. You know, but progress led to surgical techniques that were best performed in a hospital setting, and hospitals also began to provide laboratory and X-ray facilities. Now, so can you imagine, as a doctor, somebody comes in with a broken bone, and you're really not sure where or how to set it. So X-rays were a huge. Advancement. But you have to think, and I'm sure you've thought of this too, that the medical profession, if you will, for all those decades or centuries prior, it would have been hard for these people to change and transition their thought to some new idea, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah because uh, tradition. You know, yeah. call the doctor and uh, yeah. whatever he used. Now, China kind of had a good uh, thing over there. They, uh, the doctor's job was to keep the emperor alive. And so if the emperor died, so did the doctors. There's incentive. <laughs> that, that is, isn't it? Well, you know, hospitals at military posts were really the first medical institutions on the Old West. Uh, during the gold rush and the Western settlement, uh, the United States Army established forts, of course. We've talked about that, to protect the immigrants. But nearly all of these posts had a hospital of some sort. And I'm going to talk about that. These facilities were just as important to the opening of the West as the soldiers and the artillery and uh, all that. Was so. was the number one worry, was it hygiene and cleanliness, or was it the wound themselves? I know a lot of stories about uh, gunshots and uh, uh, being shot with an arrow or whatever. It seemed like they had some fairly good practices, but the hygiene was poor. Right, and and one of the biggest things that happened, even with, a say, a bad cut from an axe or a knife, would be infection. Infection. Right. 
So, but anyway, these posts uh, provided civilization for a lot of these pilgrims, uh, medical care for the sick and the injured. As they, and you can imagine, on a wagon train, there's going to be accidents. So, anyway, the size and quality of army hospitals varied a lot. Some were simply converted barracks, while others were specially constructed with kitchens, laundries, bathing facilities. Now, Fort Yuma was one of the earliest military posts, and that was in 1849. So that's still a long time ago. Yeah. And that, of course, was in Arizona, and it was a poorly supplied fort, which was sub, uh, freak, uh, subject to frequent raids by the Indians, by the Mexican soldiers, uh, but the hospitals consisted, and I, and I get this, Zeb, two tents covered with brush and a vegetable garden tended by the doctor. That was the hospital. That was the hospital. Two tents. Uh-huh. So, now, Did another place... have to use Blue Cross to get in? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, for the first year, there's a place called Fort Halleck, which is near Elko, Nevada. And the hospital consisted of a single tent, but the next year, 1868, an adobe structure measuring 40 by 30 feet. Now, that's not very big, Zeb, but it's better than the tent, yeah. and it was completed. But the same year at Fort Harney in Oregon, a hospital of logs and mud was constructed. Now, depending on their location, some military hospitals were busy and others were not. And as times changed, some posts were abandoned, you know, and new ones built. Now, in 1875, there was a place called Fort Ellis, which is up by Bozeman, mm-hmm. Montana. Mm-hmm. And insight into the kinds of problems military hospitals uh, faced uh, over a four-year period the Fort Ellis Hospital treated 134 fevers, 71 cases of rheumatism, 75 cases of infections. Uh, so, did, did they have adequate treatment, though? You know, by this time, I think they they did have some things. Or you know, was it by the grace of the good Lord that they ever healed up? Well, I, I think they had penicillin by then. I, really? I, I believe they did. But they're still in the archaic ages right. regarding cleanliness. Yeah, and at this place alone there were 400 accidents now get this though there was only one death so obviously they they had come a long ways well when they found out that they had to go to the hospital it scared them right back to physical fitness yeah yeah now the first fort ellis hospital established in 1867 consisted of three small rooms it was shabbily built insufficiently heated Poorly lit, underventilated, had no laundry or bathing facilities. Uh, okay, now, you might complain about a hospital bed, Zeb. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. The bedding consisted of bags of straw for mattresses covered with blankets and buffalo robes. Buffalo robes. Now, next time you're in the hospital and you're complaining about your sheet Give or your bed. Give me buffalo robe. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, uh, 1863, you know, gold was discovered in Alder Gulch, Montana, and more mineral uh, discoveries soon followed. And as the golden age played out in one place, the miners moved on. And with this boom-and-bust attitude, the community developments like schools, hospitals, water systems, sewage disposals uh, didn't seem important. Now, that I don't mean to sound crass, but um, let's talk about that just for a second. The sewage and hygienic value of getting rid of the waste, let's say. Ooh, that must have been really something. No wonder they had typhoid. But, you know... Again, it was like a boom and bust thing. You know, you might be going into one area and it'll boom for maybe six months or a year and then they're gone. So why would they take the time to stop and have any kind of a permanent facility, I guess? Oh, my goodness. So, but, you know, as the populations grew and stabilized, the hospitals became an important mark in the community. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans and more right here in the U.S. 
Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Now, one gold find labeled Last Chance Gulch blossomed into the city of Helena, Montana. So there's an example of one that obviously people stayed. So Helena was never intended to be a permanent uh, settlement, but nevertheless... uh, 1865-66, the citizens of Helena donated money for a hospital. I guess, you know, they must have had some foresight that this really was going to become... this is after the Civil War. Right. Uh, yeah, what did I say? 1865. Six, yeah, 66. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, the Miners Hospital, is what they called it, was probably the first institution in Montana. So the hospital was created to take care of an unusually high number of miners suffering from frostbite and starvation. So, I mean, you've been to Montana, Zeb. Many times. Wintertime up there is cold. It's cold and starvation anyway. But, you know, the original hospital was actually little more than a deserted cabin with a roof. But in a few years, the community raised enough money to provide accommodations for 163 patients, and the old building was eventually replaced by a better structure. Do they still have it up there? You know, I mean, kind I, of a historical type thing? You know, I would love to. Uh, that's something next time up the, that way. I'm going to see if I can find anything yeah, about that. Yeah. But now in Nevada, it took epidemics of smallpox to convince the Nevadans of the need for medical facilities. So these hospitals were, they were needed, very, very, very important. But in addition to the many diseases that affected Western communities, mining accidents were commonplace. In fact, in Comstock, Nevada, at least one person a week died in the mines. And, of course, a lot were injured by explosions and falling rock and scaldings. So these were not OSHA-approved working conditions. So. Uh, the mining town of McCarthyville, Montana. Heard of that, Zeb? Mm, McCarthyville? Not McCarthyville. Okay. No, I haven't. Had a hospital in 1890. The building was a low log structure with no floor. The only window was a hole covered with a canvas flap. Many men developed pneumonia that winter. Oh, my God. And the hospital was the busiest place in town. Unfortunately, most patients who went to the hospital came out dead. Well, you can imagine. I mean, there's no heat in that place. And a dirt oh. floor. Really? So, now, according to one observer, it said it got so that every morning, just at daylight, a big Swede, that was a kind of a nurse, would come outside with a hand sled. He'd have a body wrapped in a $2 blanket. Then he'd start off the uh, up the creek, digging a hole in the snow for the dead person. Are you kidding? Oh my so, goodness almost every sakes. day. So, the, the citizens of McCarthyville were soon fed up with the failure rate of the hospital's doctor. Well, can you imagine? Who had come from Great Falls, where it was understood he had built up a fine reputation as a veterinarian. Hmm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So a committee of citizens went to the hospital, knocked on the door. This big Swede, the nurse guy, he opened the door. And one of the men kind of tapped him gently on the head with the butt of a gun. And he dropped dropped, uh, like a leaf. Then the men cast around to look for the doctor just in time to see his heels following him through the back window. And McCarthyville never saw him again. Really? The veterinarian. He's gone. Yeah. So, anyway, according to the story, another doctor came and the death rate declined considerably. Wow. So, anyway, many early medical institutions of the West were established by Catholic nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. In 1864, the Sisters of Charity of Providence from Montreal 
came to Montana and they set up an infirmary where they cared for Indians, white people alike. Uh, there were no physicians in the area, but in a simple room, they dedicate, these dedicated nuns diagnosed illnesses, they prescribed treatments, they set broken bones, uh, and actually performed some surgery. But in the strict sense, the sisters practiced medicine and their work really filled a void until doctors could actually get out That's there. the one thing I was curious about is the surgeries themselves. You know, the advancement of what to do, where to go, where to cut, what not to. You know, how did they get all this information? Well, many, many years ago, it was considered uh, unethical for a doctor to dissect an individual. And we're talking Europe here. Yeah, and yeah. so the first person that tr- uh, actually dissected an individual to learn about the circulatory system and the nervous system was pretty much ostracized from the medical community. Yet how are you going to know what's inside unless you look? Yeah, like a bag of M&M's. Yeah. You know? Now, uh, g- going back to the Civil War, there was one particular battle, I can't remember which one, it might have been Gettysburg. Uh, the doctor w- doctors were in an upstairs room, and as they would uh, cut off a limb, they would throw the limb, the arm or the leg, out, out the window. The window yeah. And it Pretty soon it built up to where it reached the window. The second and floor. They uh, they would amputate a limb, mm-hmm. move the patient, take a bucket of water, throw it across the table, yep. put another guy down, and start working on him. And yeah. I, you know, I, I highly respect the medical community. We have so much knowledge now, and just some amazing, great physicians out there and nurses uh, uh, i told you my wife had surgery here a few, a few weeks back and the nurses treated her so well yeah. just every need uh, was taken care of well i've been operated on and i'm not ashamed to say this or embarrassed i've been operated on 18 times yeah so you've seen it and i've been there done that yeah. and i still with the last one you still have a little trepidation but my goodness i'm glad you didn't tell me this story before i went in for the last one <laughs> well if they come in with uh, gloves on and a hacksaw from uh, from ace hardware yeah. you might think twice look out <laughs> no i tell you that there's so many more questions that we could ask about this segment though yeah and i've and, got a whole book on the medical uh treatments throughout the old west really? and i've used uh you know and, and if people are interested this is the book that i have gotten a lot of information it's called bleed blister and purge by a guy named uh steel who was a medical doctor but you know one thing that comes to mind on this is that it's amazing to me there weren't more deaths affiliated with the surgery in the civil war i mean with the kind of a uh if you will uh, assembly line of doctors just chopping off the limb and out yeah. the window and then these people lived yeah well, do you, do you remember her story I told a while back about a guy that amputated his own foot? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> wow. I mean, some of these people were pretty tough. Well, yeah, but I'm not good. It's not something you want to practice. <laughs> not on yourself. <laughs> you did it, doctor. Good job. Thank you, Zeb. Doctor history. And it kind of gave me a, a little bit of the, the quivers and the sweats <laughs> talking about that story.